Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And if you're a first timer, welcome to the party. It's the Texans Lions postgame show. My co-host Stephen Kerr had a conference this weekend, but Stephen and I will look at the latest Astros in the next couple of days. Don't worry, though, because we've got a couple of good co-hosts with me for this one. Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And my old Locked On Texans co-host, Brian Patterson. Most of you know him as the man behind HouseOfHouston.com. Thanks for joining me, guys. And, you know, I'm going to start off with you, Sean. It it feels like preseason has gone from meaningless to even more meaningless. I mean, this is is not fun. (laughs) I feel like we have the same conversation every year, though, in terms of, like, uh, how fed up with preseason we all are, you know, whether it and it, it ultimately boils down to two things, right? Injuries. We don't want to see our star players get injured, and that happens all the time. And then two, well, the ticket prices from a fan standpoint are ridiculous. They're regular season prices. But, um, yeah, I mean, preseason is one of those laboriously, like, just incredibly boring things that you just want to end. <laughs> it's not like spring training in baseball by any stretch. Brian, nobody's playing anymore. It's like, uh, no, you know, this one, no J.J. Watt, no Reader, Watkins, Lonnie Johnson, Justin Reed, Tayshawn Gibson, Matt Khalil. It's like, uh, you know, if you if you don't show up to, to, to go to scrimmages, you don't get to see any of the real players. That's that's right. It, well, at least, you know, in the first series, uh, we got to see Deshaun Watson and D-Hop work together on that first drive. And that, that was just great to watch that. We, we already know that the offense is going to turn out to be something special uh, this season. I really do feel it. Um, I actually was at the game last night and the market just dropped uh, for 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 preseason. I sat in the 300s for 25 bucks. So uh, it was a lot. Oh, I nice. typically yeah, I typically don't go to preseason games. I, I don't. But I looked to see what the market was charging. I was like, ah, I'll go on and go. I mean, that's 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 pretty reasonable for a preseason game. So, yeah, I was able to watch him, but it just really wasn't a lot of meaning to being there in the second half. Cause that's when all the scrubs were playing. So uh, it's just great to watch the position battle. So there, there are some, and, but the thing about it is, and we're going to talk about this Titus Howard, his left hand, he got hurt out there. We may be counting on him to start uh, this season. So I, I that, that's, that's one of the things they, they'd still need a preseason, but can they make it shorter, maybe like two games and then they just practice. Cause I mean, they're ready. It's just a matter of them getting some in game action with other teams, but I think they could cut it in half to two games and that, that still should be adequate. Hey Brian, we did locked on Texans for two years and we know about last year. Cause you and I talked about it ad nauseum. Remember uh, nobody played during the preseason, and it looked like nobody was ready for the regular season, and they start off 0-3. That, that's my concern, Brian. It's just like, you know, what about last year? We just saw this. There was no, barely any Deshaun or JJ or Whitney or any of those guys, and, and look what happened. It, it, that's a good point, and you, you can certainly make that argument. Um, I just have a different feeling about this group this year. I mean, they've been together a year longer. 
Deshaun Watson has another year under his belt. Um, they they have that rapport. I I do think even though they're not going to be playing as much, that they will be ready uh, for 2019. I don't know how much that offensive line is going to be ready, but uh, there are some good points about it. Um, I, I liked how Roderick Johnson looked out there for Matt Khalil. And another thing, you know, Bill O'Brien said that Matt Khalil is going to be the starting left tackle, which really scares me uh, to no end. Well, but, yeah, uh... let me let me pick up right there. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly where I wanted to start with, because, yeah. you know, we could talk about eh, Deshaun and DeAndre Hopkins. I think they've got a future. We know they're good. They look good. Meanwhile, though, Roderick Johnson has come out of nowhere to be in the mix at left tackle. He was really impressive in yeah. that first drive. Khalil missed Thursday's scrimmage and the preseason game due to some health issues from what we can tell. And like you said, O'Brien said, Khalil, he's my starting left tackle. But this just isn't a good sign for Khalil to be not getting reps at any part of the O-line right now that badly needs that chemistry. You know, Khalil needs to be in there. He needs to be developing chemistry, Sean. And and this guy's missed 30 games over the last three years. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense for me for him not to be out there. What do you think? I mean, I, I tend to agree with that, given you know the level of importance um, that we always put on the offensive line in terms of needing to develop chemistry and camaraderie and things like that. I mean, um, they really do have to all work together in sync. And if you noticed a little bit last night, early on, especially between Titus Howard. And Roderick Johnson, you know, they'd kind of look over at each other and make sure they knew what the other was doing, it seemed. Now, that could have just been, you know, hey, you know, we're going to combo block here. Make sure you work up to the second level, whatever the case may be, um, just to make sure they were on the same page. But it's those little things. You know, Titus Howard didn't have a perfect game last night. He looked good at times, but, you know, he gave up a sack. I believe at the time it was uh, Webb who was in at quarterback. Mm-hmm. It had to have been because Deshaun didn't get touched at all last night, which was awesome to see on that first drive. But um, Howard just looked ap- absolutely lost on that one play. He didn't touch anybody, had no idea where that backer had come from, and he put Webb on his butt. And, and those are the things that you want to see guys like Matt Khalil out there getting reps. I, I know he's been banged up, but there is also a small part of me that thinks, you know, O'Brien and the staff – um, has seen what they needed to see to a certain point out of Khalil in practice, in workouts, especially with this joint practice they just wrapped up with the Lions this week. And they're maybe trying to save him as much as they possibly can for the regular season. Right. And 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 I'd like to get your thoughts, Brian and, and, and Sean, just like what you've seen from Titus Howard. I mean, anybody finding it strange also that Howard and Sharping aren't getting any reps at right tackle? I mean, I know Chantrell is a lock to play 16 games every season. Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, <laughs> asking for a friend here. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, I think they should be trying him out uh, over there just to see uh, how they do. They did try Titus Howard at left tackle. And, Sean, um, you alluded to that, you know, whenever he missed the sack. I think he was in at left tackle at that point. They had switched him yeah. around and put mm-hmm. Kelamete uh, in at, at left guard. So, can we say that Titus right now at this moment is a better guard than he is tackle? They're trying to develop him into a tackle. I mean, it, it, it's it's too early to tell because that's where eventually they want him to be. But uh, that that's the whole situation there. Is 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 he 
is what is he going to be playing uh, this season? I really do think that it's going to be left guard ultimately. And this guy may be starting because he's getting a lot of reps, but in the same token there, he, he, you know, with all the reps that he's getting in the preseason, look at him. He's, he's getting hurt. I, I, I he played way too long than I wanted to. And uh, this is exactly what happens. I hope the man's okay. Cause we're going to need him. He needs the reps though. He needs the reps. They all need the reps, but I think, you know, in Bill O'Brien and I want to say even Mike Devlin, the limited availability that he's had with the media, this camp to this point, <laughs> even said it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, for for Titus Howard in particular, getting those reps at guard is important. It's not to put so much on his shoulders so soon. And I think that's a lesson that okay. Bill O'Brien and Mike Devlin learned, you know, a couple of years ago with how they treated Xavier Suofilo. Xavier Suofilo was all over the place when he was here as a Texan and never really had an opportunity to settle in. And that really wasn't his fault. That was the line's fault. I mean, they were just enamored with injuries a couple of years ago, as this, this kind of seemed to be the case, you know, for a really long time up until, you know, probably the best offensive line the Texans have ever had in their history. And that's going back to Dwayne Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brazell, and Eric Winston. Um, when that was your offensive line, that was the best offensive line in Texans history. And since then, you know, the Texans have really struggled to get any kind of consistency in terms of health and productivity out of these guys. I think you have to balance it. I think Howard, if he's going to be comfortable and productive at guard right now, getting him to be the left tackle or developing him, him into the left tackle of the future, as you see, it doesn't happen overnight. Maybe it's later in the season by necessity if somebody goes down. Maybe it's next year in camp. But I think you just want to get him to be a productive NFL player at this point because you need it. There was about 100% agreement that Roderick Johnson did look good when he was out there in that first drive. They rolled down the field, and I think he stayed in for maybe another drive or two with Joe Webb. But, you know, this guy, for Mm -hmm. anybody that has forgotten, he's a former Browns fifth-round pick who was on and off the practice squad a couple different times last year, drafted in 2017, got hurt, never played a down for Cleveland before he was released. He came out of Florida State a year early, which a lot of scouts thought it was too soon. Last year would have been his rookie year in the NFL if he came out as a senior. Uh, But, you know, not only did he look good, but the other thing that is a big statement from what we've seen so far, the first two preseason games and where he's fitting in the rotation, anybody else get the sense that Julio Davenport is a goner? I mean, that's it for him? I think I think you need to keep him around just for death purposes. I, I just don't know if you could improve much more by going out on the market and finding because yeah, offensive linemen they're just so hard to find, especially ones that would buy into your system. So I think Julian, you, you at least need to keep him around for death purposes. Uh, but you know, there's only so many guys that you can keep. There's only 53 men that you can keep on the roster. So is he the odd man out? That remains to be seen. But um, I, I think he's worth keeping. I mean, he's he's cheap. He's on a rookie deal. Uh, why not? If he's not the backup left tackle, though, what depth purpose does he? You're not going to keep a three three left tackles on your roster. That's what I'm saying. He got a good point there, but uh, it, it's it's just it's just tough to you know to let him go. I mean, but he he still has his 
times where he hasn't proven that he is worth uh, being on that side, being a tackle, because, you know, with all the penalties that he had, you know, when he first got started as a rookie, and still he wasn't quite up to snuff last season, that that's the whole situation there. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Uh, Bill O'Brien hasn't been shy to, you know, cut loose and, and make fairly swift decisions with guys that they've taken fairly high in the draft before. I mean, we just saw it here recently with Deontay Foreman, and he's made a couple of different decisions in the last couple of years. Their names escape me right now, but mm-hmm. heck, even going the Texans organization really, um, you remember Sam Montgomery and uh, oh. a couple of those couple of those guys from years past. I mean, they just haven't been shy about cutting loose, admitting mistakes, even if they've been made in the draft and they realize it sooner than later. Um, I agree with you about depth. Offensive line, when you have a franchise quarterback, when you know you have the dude, your guy, in Deshaun Watson, you got to keep that dude healthy. You got to keep him upright. And 62 sacks sacks last year is not going to cut it. I mean, even if you slice that number in half, um, you know, which would be a marked improvement. And I think we'd all be happy with that. It still comes down to, you know, being productive and how comfortable are we really at this point um, with Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson, which we've seen very little of to this point in camp uh, with those guys running the ball. It, it, it's there's so much up in the air. How many tight ends are you going to keep? How many receivers are you going to keep? I think all of these things factor into the Texans giving Julian Davenport the benefit of the doubt or just the trust in him that he's going to continue to buy in and be a guy they can develop. Yeah, the problem is if he's not playing fourth string tackle, which Khalil is now the number one, uh, Roderick Johnson gets number two uh, look. Uh, Now you got Titus Howard is out there as your third tackle, and you, let's assume he's healthy, then Davenport's the number fourth left tackle. We know he can't play right tackle. We saw it last year. It was terrible. And, yeah. and, the, and the backup right tackle might be Max Sharping. It could be Titus Howard. It could be Roderick Johnson, whoever. But Davenport's not getting a lot of rep you know, out there in the first half of preseason games. That's a bad sign for that kid. The other thing I want to bring up is Zach Fulton because, Brian, I don't know about yeah. you, but Zach Fulton should be the starting center. I think it was a blessing in disguise that Nick Martin and Mance got hurt because Sharping is looking really good at guard. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing great yet, but he's looking solid enough to put out there. And Zach Fulton is a much better center than those other two guys. And I just saw, it seemed like Fulton knew more about communicating, you know, in these last couple of games with his fellow guards, as far as helping out with guys and just some of the stuff that we've seen, the breakdowns on the interior line where a guy's not helping another guy out. But Fulton just looks like a better center, and, and he looked really good at center when he was with the Chiefs from all reports. Glad you brought that up because I was thinking about the same thing, uh, you know, in, in one of our segments here. Because, uh, yeah, when, when the Texas brought in Zach Fulton, we, we knew that he had the ability to play center, but he was going to be playing guard because, you know, Nate Martin is a – pick that the Texas invested in in the second round uh, way back when, what was it, 2015, and that's where Zach would be. But injuries to, 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 of course, like you said, to 
um, you know, go to to Nick Martin and to Greg Mance has allowed him to have this uh, opportunity. And again, uh, I just have not seen any problems. I got to look up his pro football focus numbers and see how effective he has been uh, with 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 his pass blocking and whatnot. But uh, certainly, uh, it, it it is is seeing some improvement, and it has it has solidified that area uh, of the line. I mean, nothing really gets past uh, Zach. Zach's been a great pickup. And I, you know, we were kind of leery, you know, getting another offensive lineman from Kansas city outside of Jeff Allen. But uh, Zach Fulton has really turned out to be a star uh, for this offensive line. He's just, he just knows what to do. Just a veteran just goes out there, puts on it, puts, gets his, gets his lunch pail and puts his helmet on, gets to work. That's what really good veterans do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, those are the guys yeah. that you can rely upon. And, um, you know, when when you have guys that go down with injury like Mance and Martin have, you need that dude to step up and kind of seize the day. You mm-hmm. know, for one, his paycheck and his opportunity. But then, two, this is a team. This is an, a unit in the offensive line that needed somebody to step up and get those reps and be productive and I was really impressed with Fulton last night. I was impressed with that that starting lineup on the offensive line for the Texans. That game last night, really, with both facets, could not have been any better of a start. And I know it's just preseason, but to keep Deshaun Watson untouched, you know, and to create such a clean pocket, give him the amount of time that he had last night to throw was awesome long sustained drive you go down there and score and then the fact that the defense you know shined a little bit merciless forced that fumble you you force a punt and you know it's your defense isn't on the field for a long time I mean that was just that was a beautiful thing to see and you know hopefully that's just the the tip of the iceberg from what we're going to see from this team much less the offensive line this season at least in the early going yeah you talk about the defense and I was going to ask you about that Sean because you know, nobody really has flashed a lot defensively. And, of course, the, the backups have had tons of chances these first couple of games because we're not seeing the starters out there much at all. And, and everybody was pretty much benched. Lenny Johnson, you would think, would be out there, but they were just concerned about his health. He's a little bit banged up, they said, but he should be fine. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't out there. The one guy, Sean, that I, I really have enjoyed watching in the preseason is Peter Columbaye. Uh, big, oh, yeah. big yeah. hit on special teams, and he's looked good all through camp from from all reports, both in special teams and at linebacker. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that guy's a player. You know, you've heard his name the last couple of years, and he's another guy that I felt like last night, um, you know, really, really shined when he needed to. Bill O'Brien said something. It was it was a very, it was almost a throwaway line uh, in the press conference last night. And, you know, he was asked about the importance of the third preseason game. I think it was a Dallas reporter that asked him uh, the question in particular. Uh, you know, next week is when we're going to kind of see you play your starters. And Bill O'Brien was like, you know what? A lot of that was last night. We were really putting a lot of importance on guys that we needed to see in certain positions last night in that game. And he didn't mention anybody in particular, but I immediately thought of a guy in Kalambayi. I thought of uh, Bellamy who I thought flashed uh, for the Texans last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought of Johnson at left tackle, but I also thought of Tyrell Adams. You know, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but mm-hmm. that that botched snap by the Lions, I want to say it was in the second quarter. It might have been early third. I can't remember now. It all runs together. But mm-hmm. the Texans would not have recovered that ball 
if not for Terrell Adams, jumping on the pile and lodging that ball loose from the Lions O-lineman that had initially recovered that ball. And I think those are plays that Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell and that staff are looking at at film this morning, and they say, you know what, we need dudes like that. We need dudes that are going to go out there and you know fight and claw at whatever the cost is. Those are winning football plays. And so I think that's what Bill O'Brien and the staff were really focused on last night. We talk about, well, we didn't see any starters. We didn't see this guy, that guy. You don't want to. You don't want to see those guys out there anyway. You want to see the dudes that are going to give you depth and quality depth and going to make a difference, you know, week eight, week nine, week 10, when your dudes are banged up. And I think you saw a couple of those guys last night. Yeah, you talk about depth and the great battle that's coming uh, at us right now is that the fourth and fifth wide receiver spot or fifth and six. I don't know where this is going to be, but you know, there was some good and some bad. There was a really bad stretch in the second quarter. Tyron Johnson dropped a wide open pass. Vincent Smith had a special teams penalty. And then Steven Mitchell fumbled the ball, which turned into six points when he was kind of lunging for extra yards. But you know, Vincent came back with a 31 yard touchdown catch. Then Webb uh, overthrew Johnson on a bomb later in the game, but he was wide open there you just wish you could see all these receivers, though. This is the thing, guys. I just wish I could see these guys get some time with A.J. McCarron, with all due respect to to Webb, because, you know, there are times where you're just like, well, if he had another quarterback in, he might have gotten the ball a little bit more on target here or there, you know? Oh, yeah, that touchdown catch, I believe it was by uh, Stephen Mitchell. I mean, he had to go and get it. I mean, it, it wasn't on the mark. The ball was way ahead of him, but he had to race up to go grab and get it. Yeah, that was that was Vincent. That was Vincent. Yeah, Smith. that was Vincent. No, my bad, my bad. Yeah, so that that that's just a situation. And Joe Webb, you know, I still see him making this team because his value on special teams. It's good to know that we that that the Texas do have a a, a third quarterback that they can go to in case of emergency. Joe Webb is probably playing more than what he's expecting. Uh, right now but uh I, I just still see that there is a spot here oh, uh, yeah. for joe Webb. oh yeah oh you know, he's he's not he's not very all that accurate uh you know his throws are ill advised remember the pick he threw uh, earlier in the game it was heavy traffic he throws the ball and then then boom there you go uh that that wasn't a very good decision forcing things when they're not there so but you kind of have to give a mulligan because again he's he's not going to be playing quarterback he's just the field land for us to get through the preseason and no we haven't seen you know uh any of aj mccarron really because of the hand injury right but what do you guys think about joe webb i feel like that dude is more all in on being the the backup quarterback for this team this year than he was last year. You know, last year he was that Swiss Army knife guy. And Mm -hmm. in large part by necessity, he was going to be your special teams guy. He was going to be a wide receiver and a pinch, which he had to be last year. It was him and Vincent Smith when, you know, what hit the fan. I feel like this year and in camp, he's been getting the reps and he's been putting in the work. And it just, there's a different feel to, to to his goal this year and he is all in at quarterback I feel like and I liked a lot of what I saw last night you know you you limit expectations because like you guys said I mean you hit it spot on he's not he's not Mr. Accurate you know there were some big time overthrown footballs last night but then there were some other ones that he put right in their bread basket yeah where only they could catch it and 
And I like the elusiveness of him in the pocket and being able to extend plays. When they signed A.J. McCarron, I, I was thinking, OK, well, you know, he doesn't necessarily do the same things Deshaun does. This is a matter of getting the best backup available. But when you look at Joe Webb, he has those same traits. Yeah. So, again, you, you have a great point there, Sean, about that. So, you know, when A.J. McCarron comes in, you know, he's going to be staying in the pocket. So pass protection is even more important against a young offensive line that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing out there with a few veterans. But I, I worry about that. If if there's something, God forbid, happens to Sean and A.J. McCarron's in there and we're having to rely on pass protection because, you know, he doesn't do much running. That's that's a situation that would be in. But you kind of worry about it less with Joe Webb because he can improvise and extend the place. Yeah. Hey, did you guys catch yourselves uh, rooting for Deshaun Watson to get that first down when he had to scramble on that first drive? I think it was a third down. I was like, yeah, 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 go. Wait, no, get out. (laughs) I was covering my eyes. I was like, oh, God, he's running. It's the first series. I don't want him to get hurt. Please, no. And then he slid. I was like, thank goodness. goodness." Yeah. I, I was very scared. I was. I was like, he's already, it's it's just one series. He's already, you know, acting like it's a regular season. <laughs> I, well, I got caught up. I legitimately yeah. had to catch myself because I thought it was a regular season game last night. I was like, I no, I go. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's always scary. It's always scary with Deshaun out there. But uh, it's a, it's always fun. It's never never not interesting. I got a couple no- more notes for you guys. And it, it, if you guys want to follow up on this or – you got something else, but Martinez Rankin, uh, he's playing too much in the second half for a guy that's going to make this roster. I, I think he's in legitimate jeopardy. Third round pick last year, already yeah. in legitimate jeopardy of, of making the 53. Also, uh, of all the Texans draft picks, I personally was most looking forward to tight end Kahele Waring, but we haven't seen him at all uh, because of injury. And in honor of Cushing, it sounds like he had an overtraining injury between minicamp oh, and training camp. Uh, apparently, <laughs> he was doing too much or something like that. But with Darren Fells and the Jordans, you know, are we looking at a red shirt season for wearing, you know, a.k.a. injured reserve? Mm, yeah, you know, maybe. There's no question that uh, him being out with injury has hurt him. Bill O'Brien said as much last week. Um, and boy, he was talking about two guys. Uh, it was Jordan Aikens, uh, right. Was it Aikens that, that had been out with injury as well? No, it was Thomas. It was the other Jordan Thomas. (laughs) Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, which is even better because Thomas flashed last night. That dude looked really good to me. Um, you know, unfortunately for wearing, you've got guys like Thomas and Aikens and Fells. You know, I thought he did a solid job last night early on in the first series when they used, you know, two tight end sets, the bunch formation did a good job. I thought um, staying in there to block and help with the run. Uh, I, I like that. Look, they're going to give wearing every every opportunity as they should. The guy just hasn't played that much football. You have to remember that. And then you scratch your head and say, well, why the hell does, you know, why the Texans, you know, feel the need to take him where they did. Um, They see a football player. They see a guy that is really raw, but that they can mold into the player that they want him and think that he is, he can be optimize his talents. And so I'm fine with that. You're not going to see everybody, and that's what you have to always caution yourself with at this point, even when we're talking about the offensive line, because until they prove as much, 
guys, we have not seen an offensive line. We've not seen a tight end group. We've not seen really even a secondary with any realm of consistency of guys being able to go out there and stay healthy and be productive. So on day one, week one, the first game of the season, whoever's out there, it's the same way. It's the same logic we talk about with baseball all the time. What that team, what they start with is not going to be who they finish with. It's about the depth and the quality of such that is important. So I want to keep those guys around and continue to develop them and give them every benefit of the doubt. But it's just like Bill O'Brien said, you know, these guys, believe it or not, um, they don't know a whole hell of a lot about how to take care of their bodies to this point. They don't know a whole hell of a lot about, you know, nutrition and hydration. I think that's exactly what happened to Beatty actually last night, um, who it went down, I think late, late first half, maybe early second half, um, it looked like it was a sternum injury. Uh, I think the dude was just spent. I think he was dehydrated. And I think you're seeing a lot of those guys going through those ebbs and flows of, you know, Hey, you're a few weeks into training camp and you played a couple of preseason games. Now it's, it's a man's game. It's time to suck it up and you better treat your body right and get it right before we play on Sundays. What's going to happen with uh, Clowney, guys? Uh, anybody that wants to answer this question, I'm going to jump ball it. Does he start the season <laughs> in Houston? Is he sitting out? Is he dealt? What What's going to happen? Make your prediction. Give me your prediction, guys. I think Jadavion Clowney is, will be in uniform week one. He will not play the preseason, but we're going to see him in uniform for week one. This guy's going to be making $16 million this season, $1 million per game. Uh, it, it would just be hard pressed for me to have him miss out on that much money. Uh, but if he, if it means a lot to him to sit out, I mean, I just don't think he would be like Le'Veon Bell who lost a lot of money, you know, sitting out the whole season with the Steelers and then getting a deal that, you know, he probably did not expect, but he took it because it was the best offer available. I, I, I definitely, we're going to see him week one. I really do. He's going to play on the franchise tag. I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. that's the logical thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the thing is, you know, it, it's very difficult because anything we say is basically foundationless and we're relying upon nothing more than just sheer logic. Like, <laughs> this is what should happen. This is what you should do if you really want to win, if you want to get paid, and if you want to get paid in the future, whether it be by the Texans or another team. I mean, I totally agree. I think he's going to be there. It's just been a very odd situation that's developed um, this offseason with the front office situation. No GM, GM by committee with the Texans. And then, you know, look, Clowney in general, that I've always felt that he was the perfect guy to franchise tag. Like, I felt like this is the reason why the franchise tag exists is you don't want to commit long term years and money to a guy that you have, you know, serious concerns about. If he would have come into the league and been productive and not had work ethic and health issues coming into the league, forget about where he was drafted. Then, yeah, the guy would have probably been pay been paid right now and been one of the highest paid players at his position. But that's not the case. And so if you're the Texans, and while you have a lot of cap room available, you still want to be responsible and you don't want to tie yourself to a guy. I thought this with Brian Gain when he was GM. He didn't have that one guy that he's attached to the hip with, you know, and then he takes Titus Howard, you know, with their first pick. 
And it's like, well, that's that guy. But then, you know, not really, because it was only his second year. And then he's out of a job a month and a half later. <laughs> Bill 17 <O'Brien>, months. <laughs> Bill O'Brien doesn't have uh, that that player that he's attached to the hip with necessarily yeah. that, that could cost him a job. It's really the overall result going into his sixth year as head coach that's going to ultimately cost him if it does. This is my deal, though, Sean, with with Clowney is, you know, I I mentioned the idea of trade, but I don't know if you could get the second round pick that you would have to get for him because you're going to get a compensatory pick uh, if he leaves at some point. If you just let him walk and sign somewhere else, you're going to get the compensatory pick, which is going to be, you know, at least a third. I mean, it's got to be a third rounder. So you got to get at least a second rounder. And so I don't know who's going to trade for him. Because, you know, they, they get him for a year. How good a shape is he in? Because he hasn't, you know, been in training camp. And then, you know, you risk that. What, do I give up that pick? And what if, you know, what if there's some issue with signing him? Even if there's a if there's a wink-wink deal, I don't know how excited Clowney's going to be to go over there because he knows if anything happens to him in that one year, then the other team could just say, oh, forget it. We're not going to sign you if, you know, if he gets injured or something like that. Yeah, but why do you need a draft pick? I mean, I, with Clowney, there's there's draft pick guy, and then there's you know me where I'm looking at okay. The only reason you would ever trade Jadavian Clowney right now is if you got a player that can help you win now, and that's a left tackle, uh, that's a right tackle, a, a swing guy, somebody that you could plug and play right now to make you feel a hell of a lot better about this offensive line situation than you do at this point. Um, you know, look, there's no doubt in my mind that the Texans have been exploring trade options. There's no doubt in my mind that the Texans had been exploring trade options for the Jadavian Clowney. If they haven't, they were stupid because you franchise the guy July 15th passed. You knew there was no way you could now then sign him to a long-term extension. If you weren't looking to explore trade possibilities, then you're sitting there on your hands and there's nothing you can possibly do to make your team better unless you're trying to trade Jadavian Clowney. If he shows up and plays, you're a better team for it. If he doesn't, then you did not do your due diligence enough to make your team better by not exploring trade opportunities for him. I think you can get a player that can help you right now. The offensive line makes that a heck of a lot harder to do. And if there's nobody out there for the Texans to 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 really make a good move with, then you know what? You have to just hope and pray at some point that Clowney shows up and decides that he wants to get paid actual money this year and help win football games this year. You think if the Redskins and the Texans, though, I mean, I'm throwing this to both of you guys. If you Do you think the Redskins and the Texans, you know, they're both looking at the same situation with with two players right now that that haven't reported and and would it have been done if 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 they were at all interested these two teams were at all interested in making the deal for uh you know Clowney and and, and uh, for uh, uh Trent Williams yeah that deal should have been done this spring i mean it it just doesn't make sense now to to try to make a trade now at this point uh, in the season um it's best to just wait until 2020 until the off season if they're going to trade him let's see if he comes in to you know to to practice if he comes in to play games but i would love a deal for that to be done trent williams like sean said is a plug and play player the offensive line immediately uh you know improves you don't have so much pressure on titus howard to to you know to perform 
perform and to start, you know, and then Matt Khalil, you know, you can bump him off to the side or maybe you keep him, you know, for depth purposes. But then Julian Davenport would be on the way out if we were to bring a guy like uh, Trent Williams in. So, mm-hmm. yes, I, yeah. I, I would love I would love that move. I would love I would hate losing Clowney because, again, I think he is one of those generational players that you, you probably are going to get once <laughs> in that type of time span. But. Again, if 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 he's if you're not going to offer him a long term deal, you need to go and get something for him because this team is just right at the cusp of uh, being great. I really do. Yeah, I just don't know if he's generational, Sean, because he just doesn't get sacks for you. And you know, sacks is a skill, and it's a skill that you know if you're going to be a guy that's a pass rusher, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I understand. I understand what he's saying, though. Look, I, I agree. Talent. From a talent perspective, Jadavian Clowney is absolutely a generational talent. But have the Texans been able to get everything they possibly could out of him? That that's ultimately the question. You know, everybody yeah. goes back yeah. to the sacks. Everybody goes back to those those numbers that we can really look at to judge a player. And you know, look, the fact that JJ Watt is on this team and you have him to compare Clowney to, well, you know, look, Watts a three-time defensive player of the year, and he's got, you know, 20 sacks, 220-plus sack seasons, I think, to his resume. What's Clowney done? That's that's almost unfair. You know, it, it reminds me kind of like last year's uh, starting rotation for the Astros is when Justin Verlander came in and started wheeling and dealing. Even this year, to be honest with you, you've got, you've got Verlander and you've got Miley uh, – or Verlander been cold, and then you have Wade Miley pitching his ass off, one of the most produ- productive pitchers in all of baseball this year, and durable to this point. Yeah, and you forget about that dude. You don't give him the credit because he's constantly being compared to Verlander and Cole. The same thing with Keuchel, and I think it's the same situation with Jadavian Clowney. You constantly compare him to J.J. Watt in terms of productivity, and it's a little unfair from a talent perspective. Clowney's a freaking beast, and it's going to be really disappointing. If he doesn't show up this season, certainly week one, given the fact that all I've heard this offseason is Clowney's in, in the best shape that he's been in his NFL career. He hired LeBron James's trainer. Dude's ready to go. Like, let's get his butt out there on the football field. And let's try to win some football games with him. That's what I want to see. And if the Texans aren't able to do that, if Clowney's not all in, that's going to be that's going to be the most disappointing thing of the season before it even starts. Uh, with you there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Texans uh, also this week wave Jermaine Kelly, the seventh rounder, first casualty from last year's draft with Brian Gain. Jermaine Kelly uh, was about as visible as a Lonnie Ballantyne. He was the, the modern day version of your older brothers or your younger brothers, Lonnie Ballantyne. Also, uh, interesting news uh, Charger safety Derwin James. Uh, all pro broke his foot this week. We'll be out for a few months. This could help the Texans when they face the chargers in week three, hate to say it, hate to be like that, but that's good news. If you're Texans fans. And also it also might be good news that Andrew Luck could miss time early in the season. Unfortunately though, the Texans don't play the Colts until week seven, but it's we're, we're back to this stuff with, you know, with Andrew Luck all over again. Yeah, that's so much better for the Texans if Andrew Luck is is hurt because that's the team you're worried about. You're worried about that team that embarrassed you in the wild card game back in January with a healthy Andrew Luck. 
Jacoby Brissett, they're still a good team, but they're, they're you're you're probably going to lose some production there. You're you're probably more of like an eight and eight or a seven and nine or a nine and seven uh, type team. They've got a lot of young talent. They have a great offensive line. That's Chris Ballard at work, one of the best in the business as far as GMs go. Um, he has really turned around that team quickly. But, uh, it, you know, in terms of that helping the Houston Texans, absolutely. Still kind of worried about Jacksonville with Nick Foles there because all they needed was to replace is the, the the quarterback. So let's see how Nick Foles comes out. I am not worried one bit about the Titans. They're probably going to have – they're going to be 6-10, and 7-9, right around there. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be the same type of year for them because you never know with Marcus Mariota. What's, is, is he going to be healthy or is he going to produce and live up to the expectations for when he was drafted? Yeah, I, just one quick point on certainly the early schedule, but really uh, the schedule as a whole from the Texans' point of view. Everybody knows from a quarterback perspective who the Texans are going to be facing this season, and it's a heck of a lot better uh, competition than they saw last year at any point. But I would just say, you know, it, the offense doesn't play the opposition's offense. The offense is in opposition to their defense. And if you look, and I know everybody's tried to improve, just like the Texans have tried to improve many facets of their game from the secondary to the offensive line to, you know, depth at linebacker and tight end, so on and so forth. The Texans on paper are going to face about seven or eight teams this year throughout the course of the season that were mediocre to below average in terms of secondary. So if, the Texans are as good as we think they should be offensively. If Miller and Duke Johnson and Watson and Fuller and Hopkins and Kuti can stay healthy, we know how explosive offensively that can be. They're going to be facing some of the most, um, you know, Swiss cheesiest secondaries from last season this year as well. So I'm not necessarily really worried about all the great quarterbacks are going to be facing themselves. Yeah. And Sean, I want to dovetail off of that. Yeah. That's a very good point you brought up. What do you guys think about Tim Kelly calling these plays? I mean, it's, it remains to be seen how much of the plays he called last week, but this week he, Bill O'Brien said he called the bulk of the plays. I looked from last preseason, this team was averaging 16.8 points a game. Now they're averaging 28 points per game over these two, you know, that's a 12.8 point increase year over year. That's 45.7% as far as increase in production. I mean, like you said, if his offense is with Tim Kelly calling the plays with being able to beat those secondaries, is this, is, is Tim Kelly providing that formula for us to be dominant? Uh, are you indifferent about Tim Kelly or is it, you think it's just Bill O'Brien pulling the strings or yeah. it, I, I see a difference. I, I do see a difference out there. I it's it's hard to gauge, you know, you make a really good point. It's hard to gauge, though, from the actual play calls at this point, because I don't want to fall into that trap where, you know, we get really excited about what we're seeing. But mm -hmm. you have to caution yourself like, well, look, Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly, they're not going to show any part of their hand in the preseason. It's about what they're going to do and the concepts they're using now and how it translates to the regular season, right? I do like this. I love the fluidity of how the plays got in and how the Texans got lined up last night and the mm -hmm. different formations that they showed. 
I like that stuff. I like the design. I like the fluidity in which they were able to do that. And there wasn't a lot of confusion where, you know, it was like Demarius Thomas last year when he was a Texan, you know, he'd get lined up and he'd be looking around. It's like, all right, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, I, you, didn't, you didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that last night. In fact, no. you didn't see any of it with the first group. It was awesome. I like it. Bill O'Brien says Kelly did a good job. I've got to see it when, you know, it means something. And I mean, this is almost like a, I mean, this is a preseason. This is like a tryout, I guess, maybe for Tim Kelly, just as much as it is for, you know, depth guys and who you're looking to be your starting left tackles and so on and so forth on the Texans. Like this is where he really gets to prove himself as a play caller and a play designer and somebody that can adjust on the fly. And from what I've seen the last couple of games, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not buying it. Like, like uh, Brian is that, Kelly is actually calling the plays that first game. I didn't watch as much the second game. I noticed that first game, Bill O'Brien looked like he was calling the plays to me. I mean, that, that was my thought on that. And I, I'm, I'm not buying it until I I'm, I'm watching a regular season game and I see Bill O'Brien just, you know, standing still doing nothing or something like that. Uh, did you guys catch the clip Saturday night of coach Sean McVay mic'd up during the Cowboys Rams preseason game? Anybody catch that? I, I missed it. No, I didn't see it either. Oh yeah. man, he was he was having fun with it. They asked him if he wanted to call, you know, a play or two. I think he called about three of them. I mean, it was it was a really cool deal to see that you wouldn't see, of course, in the regular season, but for preseason. I mean, that's the kind of things the fans would want. And you know, if you're asking if if we're on Jeopardy and and it's uh, a category of things Bill O'Brien would never do for a hundred. That would be it. What Sean McVay did last night. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> having that's awesome. fun. What, what can't that man do? What can't that man do? <laughs> uh, ha- having fun is not, not in his uh, lexicon. Uh, I, I want to do just this, like it, this is kind of a, a thing, but a quick promo for us as well, but it, it's been 40 years since the last time Houston had a team that, went to a conference title game in the NFL. It's been 40 years this year. Last time it happened, the Chronicles' Dale Robertson was in an altercation uh, with quarterback Dan Pastorini. Are you guys, do you guys know about this? Do you guys know about the Pastorini uh, altercation with uh, Dale Robertson? After working with Barry Warner for about four years, I feel like I'm fairly certain that I've heard this story before, but I would love the refresher. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it justice. I bring this up because like about three or four weeks ago, if if anybody hasn't heard it, go back into our archives. About three or four weeks ago, um, I had Dale Robertson on. We talked for an hour and a half about you know, his career and and the history of Houston sports over his career. Basically, we talked about the last 46 years of Houston sports. But I I did ask him about that, and he gave me the whole version, the full 15 to 20-minute version. If you haven't heard this podcast, I'm going to recommend you guys. I'm going to recommend anybody listening. That story alone is worth listening to it. But we we talk about everything, uh, Oilers uh, stuff back in the, the early days. But we talk about, you know, the Houston Rockets and, uh, we get into some tennis and guys that, that he got to see that were playing at Wimbledon. He went to Wimbledon for years and years and years. And, you know, just just ever, a little bit of everything splashed in with Houston sports. But uh, Robertson's a great storyteller. He's a, he's a guy I'm really going to miss. Sean, you've probably been around him. He's, he, he is uh, one of those guys that is Houston sports in a way. 
Yeah, no doubt. Smooth, professional. Uh, had a great rapport with the players. And yeah, it's really cool stuff, man. I'm looking forward to hearing that podcast. I saw you post it the other day. Just haven't gotten a chance to uh, to go out and check it out. But I definitely will. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate you doing it. And, and Sean, too. Oh, likewise. Always a pleasure. All right, fantastic. That's all we got for this one. If you missed our last podcast, we talked to George Springer and Todd Callis. You'll find out about Springer's favorite cartoons growing up. And Callis remembers what it was like when his dad, Harry, was calling Astros games in the 60s. I also want to say if you enjoy this show and you'd like to support us, you can now go to the website, HoustonSportsTalk.net. Make a small donation over there. There's a donate button on the top right of the homepage or towards the bottom of the page. If you're looking at it on your smartphone, you can just help us with our podcast expenses. If you would, it costs, you know, a few hundred a year to bring this free content each week. And, um, you know, if you can help us, please do so. Otherwise we'll talk to you again in a couple of days. Me and Steven are going to talk some Astros looking forward to that. Uh, Not a good week for the Astros. Uh, that that's going to be a big part of our conversation. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.